right. Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. Today, I am absolutely delighted to have Miss Dawn Barkley, who's going to share some amazing tips with us. Now, before we go into that, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Dawn. Um, she has spent a career working in various aspects of journalism, starting with corporate communications work and then branching out into magazine writing and editing. She's held senior um, or contributing editor positions at Travel Magazine, Travel Life, Travel Market, Travel Market, sorry, Travel Market Report, and most recently, Travel Insider Travel Report. She was the recipient of the first prize award from the Society of Professional Journalism for a story on travel law. In, and in August, 2022, uh, her book is going to be out. She will be releasing her book, Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse essentially the ASD Travel Bible. So I can't wait to get my hands on that, Miss Dawn. Welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. You are most welcome. And thank you for agreeing to be here to share such amazing information with our parents. Because as you know, I know for me, many parents I work with, most parents I work with don't go on vacation because most parents I work with have a children on the spectrum or ADHD, or they have a child with a diagnosis. And just the thought of travel is frightening. So please help them. Well, I, what you're telling me, uh, the numbers bear it out because a survey that was done uh, recently by a group called IBCCES of a thousand special needs uh, parents uh, of those people, 87% said they won't travel. But of those 87%, 93% said they would if they knew where to go and what to do. And uh, the number one reason a lot of people gave, based on my interviews, about they weren't, why they weren't traveling was because they were afraid of being judged if their child went into a meltdown. Now, isn't that tragic? It is. It's very sad that people are so worried about what other people might think that they're, they're, you know, preventing themselves from having a great time in exploring the world. Yeah. It's listen, I've gone to, to the grocery store with parents and witnessed the judging eyes. And I've had to tell them, listen, if we don't go through this now, it's going to get worse later. So just look at me and smile, ignore the judging eyes, because they don't know your story. And honestly, they don't care. It just gives them something to focus on instead of their own issues. Right. Absolutely true. And there's a whole section in the book about how many of the people I interviewed, whether they were parents or they were certified autism travel professionals who are most likely also special needs parents dealt with, uh, how, dealt with uh, insensitive onlookers. Yeah. So we need that, Miss Dawn. So first of all, I'm going to ask you, before we dive into the book, why'd you write it? Well, I've got to tell you that when I needed the book back in the early 2000s, it didn't exist. And I had been a travel writer for many years. I grew up traveling. I've been traveling since I was two. My parents owned uh, two big travel companies in, in New York City. 
And so um, I always assumed that I'd be traveling with my children who were not that interested in traveling the way I did. They were terrible with transitions. They, it was just was not working out the way I'd hoped. They were definitely anxious and inflexible. So I started looking for a way to write the book. I interviewed Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very large in ASD circles. I interviewed Dr. Ellen Littman, who's very large in ADHD circles. And then I kind of hit a road bump because I didn't know where else to go. And the internet was not then what it is now. Um, and I couldn't exactly stand on the street corner and yell who has autism. So it wasn't until a group called, again, IBCCES, which is the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, uh, created a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional, or CATP, that I knew exactly how I could write the book because I could interview these great people who have spent uh, a lot of time delving into the topic, and this is all they do. And many of them, again, are special needs parents, and they introduced me to their parents, their clients who are also parents uh, of kids on the spectrum. And, you know, a lot more information out there and a pandemic that gave me two years to do nothing but write the book. Wow. Yes. And, you know, you just um, basically emphasized the importance of developing a network. Yeah. You know, just by talking, you know, the fact that you spoke to parents who worked with parents and it's just important. I know this isn't all about travel, but it can help because the more people you surround yourself with, the more tips you're going to have. Right. And one of the things I'm doing with this book is I've created a, um, a website called travelingdifferent.com where I am writing uh, original pieces that supplement the book. I will be updating the book and I also open it up to if anybody wants to tell me their story, I'm happy to reprint it and possibly use it in an upcoming edition of the book. But in the meantime, it can help people that read the blog, because to me, this is a big crowdsourcing experiment. It certainly is. And however, it is one of the best ways to get information. You know, the more people you speak to, the more you learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So you've already um, touched on why families and other special needs, um, you know, parents with special needs don't travel because like you said, you know, the judgment from others. Is there anything else that you could point to? Oh yeah, absolutely. They're worried about where the triggers are going to be. I mean, any child when taken out of their comfort zone becomes anxious and inflexible and there's nothing that's going to take you out of your comfort zone more than travel. So a child who clings to routine is going to be really out of sorts when you travel and who needs routine more than children on the spectrum. So yeah, you really have to think the trip out from beginning to end and come up with where the triggers are going to be and come up with uh, the uh, backup plans to deal with those. Because my goal with the book, the book's about 85% strategies and about 15% destinations and places you can go. So the idea is to ward off the meltdowns before they happen. And a lot of that is thinking it through and figuring out where they're going to be and how to deal with them ahead of time. Awesome. Because that is so important. So just give me an example of how you would map out a vacation if you will, please. Okay. Well, from the moment you leave the house, you've got to say, okay, how am I getting to the airport? And where are the issues? Every child's different. So where are the issues going to be for my child? Am I going to drive to the airport? Am I going to take a cab? 
is the cab or the YouTube person going to have, uh, not YouTube, sorry, you Uber person, God, too many U's, um, <laughs> going to have one of those little things in their car that smells up the car and my kid can't stand. Is the person going to be wearing cologne? You know, there's so much that you have to worry about. So maybe you want to drive yourself to the airport. So you avoid that. And then when you get to the airport, how's that going to work? And there are everything that I'm talking about, there's a way to sample ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So before you take a flight, there are organizations that can help you preview what it's going to be like. One is a group called Wings for Autism that uh, closed down during COVID, should be starting up again, not in every city, but in many cities. And they will let you role play and experience the airport from arrival to boarding. So that's really valuable. There's also a group called TSA Cares. And again, not in every airport, but where they are, they will assign somebody to you that can get you through the more difficult parts of the airport, like going through security and going when suddenly you're taking off the shoes and you're getting pat down and you're seeing all these people going through these machines. And it's strange. And you probably need another pair of hands to get you through it. And this group will do that for you. So different ways to role play and and for a hotel instead of spending thousands of dollars before trying it out why not spend an an evening at a friend or relative's house just one night because you'll know right away when the child is sleeping in a room other than their own where the triggers are going to be so is it that they need the smell and the texture of the sheets and uh, blankets from home do they need you to bring your own toiletries, which they're familiar with the feel and the scent? Do they need you to bring a fan to drown out the sounds from the hallway? Are there toys or night lights that you should bring? All these things are important information that you can try for free before, instead of trying it on the road. Wow, see, I never would have thought of that because in my world, I write a social story. Again, <laughs> social story. Excellent. That's listed too. I talk about Carol Gray and social stories. I talk about role playing. I talk about the importance of video and how you can preview every aspect of your trip through YouTube or from a video from the supplier. All those are really good ways. You can even get picture books with your child's favorite characters in um, travel situations and see how they worked it out. Whatever you can do to make the unfamiliar familiar and predictable to your child is worthwhile doing. Absolutely. And I just want to add a little caveat. So yes, children need structure. However, once you've provided that structure to help them adapt, adapt to new situations slowly, again, not when you're doing something new, but just in everyday life, try something new change things up a little bit, maybe go a different way to a place just to see how they do and warn them ahead of time. Like, have you found that to be effective? Starting small is always a good way to go. And I think there are ways to travel without leaving home. So I hadn't heard your suggestion, but it's an excellent one um, to just take a different route. That would be really good to increase the child's flexibility. And so they can see, oh, a different route didn't end up being tragic. It was fine. Uh, but also going to a local museum or zoo or aquarium and calling it a tour, even a trip to a flea market or a garage sale can be a scavenger hunt. They have a good experience. It's something that creates a positive frame of reference that you can refer to next time. Wow, that's awesome. See, I didn't even think of the scavenger hunt or anything like that, because then it gives us something else to, else to focus on. 
you know, they're focused on trying to find something instead of, oh my goodness, this is new and I don't know what to do with, oh my gosh, I'm out of my comfort zone. So that is really great. Thank you, Ms. Don. <laughs> yeah. So anything like that where you can, um, again, even eating in ethnic restaurants, uh, you know, an ethnicity other than your own. I had one mother I interviewed who said, you know, we do Italy month and we'll have, we'll introduce a couple of words from uh, Italian. We'll talk about the currency. We'll watch a video. We'll eat some Italian food. Um, and, and it just becomes a thing where they understand that there's a world outside their own front door. And that goes for neurotypical and neurodiverse. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Uh, you know, cause we tend to simplify it and say, oh yeah, it's only a child who's you know, neurotypical, I mean, neurodiverse would have those issues, but I've seen it in neurodiverse children who are inflexible and just want to do what they want to. So it's really important to expose children to different experiences for their own good. Sure. One, one caveat about the restaurants is I'd make sure they eat before they leave home so that they're not starving because they may be reluctant to try something new. Uh, or make sure there's something on the menu that they will eat because once they know there's something they can eat, they'll be more likely to maybe take a bite of something that's unusual for them. Awesome. So it takes a little bit of pre-planning, but once you get there, it's all good. Whole chapter on restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it is needed. You've been to a rest, you've been to restaurants lately, haven't you? You know, just the whole culture is different. You know, children are now just given a device to look at and that's it instead of engaging and you know getting familiar with the surroundings they're just you know here's your device and you know we'll see when we're done well i got to say that the devices are what every parent i spoke to spoke highly about whether it was noise canceling headphones mm-hmm. or giving them their ipad in a situation where it's going to be stressful for them when you think about a restaurant where there are a lot of people around unfamiliar noises, smells, and on top of that, waiting and waiting and not being sure when the food's going to come. Maybe you want to provide something that's going to relieve stress, like an iPad with their favorite television shows or movies. Right. So basically you're putting something that's un- that's familiar into an unfamiliar yeah. environment to help release stress. Relieve some of that. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some surprises you learned while you're writing your book? Well, one was that the tips work as well for neurotypical as for neurodiverse. That was a really good idea. Um, It was surprises were just like ingenious ideas that I wouldn't have thought of because again, this was not my story. I did this all wrong when my kids were young. When mm-hmm. I'm when I was re-interviewing, I was saying, what a great idea. Wish I'd done that. So some of those great ideas, there was one mom who's never sure if the hotel room they're going to get is going to have a bathtub and her kids only take baths. They don't shower. So she brings along a blow-up pool and she puts it in the bottom of the shower and she uses that so that they don't have to worry about that. She also also makes sure that the hotel room has a balcony. Um, so she has a place with her husband to chat while the kids are getting to sleep. But she also, I don't know if she does, but a lot of people recommend that if you are going to have a balcony and sliders that you get some sort of alarm. So you'll know if the child tries to open that. And I believe I in, include places you can buy things like that. 
Um, and then just ideas like Tony Atwood said something I thought was brilliant that a lot of times kids need space to decompress. And a lot of people can't afford um, a suite or two bedrooms, you know, even two rooms. You know, these residential hotels are great because then, or a vacation rental or an Airbnb is great because it gives you a little bit more space. But if you can't afford that and you have like four people in a, in a small double room and the child's having, a, you know, a meltdown, a lot of times you can put the um, linens in the closet Mm-hmm. and give them that small, quiet, dark place to be. I mean, I wouldn't close the closet all the way, yes. but uh, I mean, it makes sense that this is a comfortable, small environment to function in. And I thought that was a really brilliant idea. It is, yeah. It's always good to establish safe spaces yeah, and practice that before the children become agitated so that way they know, well, let them know where that is beforehand so that they know exactly where to go when they start to feel anxious or, you know, if they're triggered for any reason. Yeah. Great idea. So I also spent, um, I don't know if it was as much of a surprise, but I thought it was an important point that it's important to create a child-centric vacation. You know, you had your time to travel before the kids were around and you'll have it after they move out, but this is their time. And the ways you can build a trip around a child is to give them some control. Maybe you offer them three options of where you're gonna go on your vacation, all pre-approved by you. So there's no wrong answer, but so they get to choose. And also what are they gonna do every day? Here's a choice, you know, pick one. And, and they get a sense of control and everybody wants control, whether they're on the spectrum or not let them choose the clothing they're going to pack, let them help pack it. Everything that you involve your child in, if they have the ability to do this, gives them a vested interest in the success of a trip. But also children on the spectrum have a lot of very specific passions and interests. I mean, children off the spectrum do too. But um, if you can build the trip around those passions, for example, if your child loves insects, then maybe you visit a science museum or an insect museum as part of the highlight of the trip. And in the back of the book, I list all the, cho- all the different interests that I could think of and break them down by state where you can sort of fuel your child's passion for that. That is such a great idea because we know when we infuse something that a child is interested in and give them that control, that it makes things a lot easier to control like, okay, what do you want to wear to when you go to the, the other thing? So that's another way of giving them control. That's super simple. So that way you're coming up on top because you've give, you've empowered them in several ways. Yeah, it's, it's in, on the parents part, it involves flexibility and sort of letting the ego go that there's no right way. I mean, I had battles with my kids over the right way to set the table and they insisted on a different way that I said, what if you go to somebody's house and you're not setting the table right? And they ask you to set the table and you do it wrong. And then I thought, or they told me, so what? Exactly. (laughs) I have to say it took a little while for me to buy into that, but now I realize, so what? And I think we're always having these power struggles because what will people think of us if our kids do it this way? 
you know, what will people think if my child's clothing doesn't match? They'll think I'm a bad mother. But again, if you can let go of caring about what people think, it's going to be a lot better for you and a lot better for your child. Exactly. Who matters most? People or your child? Your child always comes first. <laughs> right. So, and that's the thing. That's why, you know, we get so caught up in what will people think? What will people think? And that really, um, I think instead of coming, we come so often from that angle instead of, you know what, he does it differently. Yeah. So I remember watching something. I can't remember the name of the couple, but they do, they do parenting trainings, parent trainings. And they were talking about their daughter who wanted to wear the same thing every day to school. And they said, okay, you know, they washed it or they bought several pairs, you know, mind you, there's some children who will want to wear the same thing. They don't care. They, you know, they're not interested in another set of the same thing. But um, she said, you know what? Her friends will, you know, peer pressure will do it because children will learn more from their friends than they will from us. Right. Allow them. Yeah. And their friends will say, well, why do we wear the same thing every day? And that might be that moment for them where they think, oh, wait, maybe I can try something different. Whereas when mom says it, because, you know, parents are always wrong <laughs> when children, you know. Yeah, there's nothing more humbling than being a parent. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. Your children will tell you, you know, yeah. they don't have filters and they will tell you exactly what they think and how they feel. And we need to honor and respect that. Even they may not say it in the way that we want them to, but still honor and respect their views and their choices because, and then we can shape it and mold it later on. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's easier to say than do. Unfortunately, I realize oh. that it's, a, it's definitely a struggle to do that. Um, and kudos to anybody who's mastered that. When my child was born, I said to her, um, Every parent is, oh, actually, I think what I said to her is I've never done this before and neither have you. Right. So let's, let's give each other a break. And then I recited the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, as soon as she was born, because God forbid she doesn't know the alphabet first thing. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's so true though, because I mean, I say that and it's easy for me to say, but with my own children, it's yeah. a struggle because when your heart's all entwined in it, it makes a big difference. So I, I, I try to practice what I preach. I'm not, I'm not always great at it, but it's better when it's easier when you're being objective. So I can work with a family and tell them all the things. And yeah. then I come home and I, you know, relax and it's a whole different story. And I'm just like, oh yeah, just, it, it's okay. You know, because my yeah. thing is too, as long as you're not harming self, others or property, I'm not going to make a big deal of it. Have a choice. If you want to have, you know, breakfast for dinner or whatever it is, hey, we'll do it. That's right. That, that flexibility is so important. And again, with coming back to travel, pacing your trip to the child's mm -hmm. uh, way of doing things. Um, it means not cramming five or six things into a day. It might be visiting one place and then spending the rest of the day watching TV or lying by the pool. Whatever they need to decompress um, is really important. 
Absolutely. So if you pay to go to Disney and all your child wants to do is stay, is, you know, spend time at the pool, then that's what that vacation is. <laughs> right. You've already spent the money. You might as well create good memories and whatever the, you know, take your lead from the child. Exactly. And I say that because that's what that happened with my sister. My dad took her to Disney and she just wanted to spend time at the pool. She didn't care about any of the attractions. And that's what he did. And she will never forget that trip. There you go. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Neither would he. So yeah, it's again, it's, you know, like you said, forget the ego. Yeah. You know, why fight? Because you wanted to see this, that, or the other thing, or go to this, that, or the other exhibit. Um, and they don't want to just like you said, you know, they can do, they'll grow up and you can do it later. Yeah, that's it. Because if you're worrying, well, I've wasted all this money and they've got to do it. Well, believe me, it'll be more of a waste if you spent the money, you spent the money anyway. So do you want them to have a good memory or do they, you want them to have a terrible memory? Yes. So, so true. And also for you too, because if you let go, you can actually relax and have a good time. It'll, it'll be a different, you know, just being in a different place. Yeah. Is therapeutic. Yeah. Well, enjoy it. All right, Ms. Dawn, I want to be respectful of your time. So before we go, do you have any last words for our parents? I just want people to be very careful when they are looking. When you look at my book, you'll see that different venues are listed as either autism friendly or certified autism centers. Certified autism centers have a, um, a standard of, um, training from the IBCCES, which I keep mentioning. Uh, autism friendly can meet a lot of different things to a lot of different suppliers. So it's important to do your own due diligence, call before you travel, ask them how they got their designation, what exactly it means. Is it right for your child? Because only you know what's right for your child. When is, what, what is it that it entails? And when is it offered? Because for example, a museum might have a low sensory afternoon, which would be great for your child, but it might only be offered one day a month, and that might not be the day you're in town. So don't just take everything I write as gospel, because even designations change. They, they get dropped. You know, certified autism travel professionals, some might drop out, some new ones come in. Um, I've done the best I can. I'm trying to update it on the blog if anything's changed, but be sure to do your due diligence. Also, as much as I'd love you to buy the book, and if you go to travelingdifferent.com, all the buy links are there, all the information you want is there. Um, some people can't afford the book. So please order, ask your local library to stock it so that it's there for anybody who might want it. That's a great idea. Thank you. That is a, a wonderful idea because it is essential information that people need to have to, you know, to improve their quality of life. Yeah. You know, the life that they thought that they could never have, the life that they're probably grieving, you know? So it's wonderful that you have written this book and have resources available for parents who want to travel with their child. Yeah, everybody deserves to travel and the world is waiting. Yes, I love that. <laughs> All right, so yes, people, please, travelingdifferent.com. And um, check out Dawn's book. And I'm looking forward to it because anything I can do to help, if there's something, 
you know, because I'm sure we didn't touch on half the things in the, not even the submission. No, no, um, it's, you know. it's 344 pages. We just skimmed the surface. Right. <laughs> so maybe we can talk again, Ms. Dawn. Oh, that would be great. After the book comes out, I'll have a lot more free time. <laughs> okay, sounds wonderful. So let's do that. Great. So, thank you again for taking your time to be here and educate us. And I wish you well and see you soon. Yes, thank you very much. My pleasure, ma'am.